Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's um, Wednesday night. <laughs> Really wiped out, but I want to keep up a schedule, more or less, and uh, want to take a look at the Parsha, which again is being sponsored by Mrs. Rechtan, Stel Rechtan. This time it's for her father's yard site, which I guess is coming up this Shabbos. That's uh, my daughter's birthday, okay. Uh, this is about her dad, not about her father-in-law. Yaakov Yerachmiel ben Moshe Tzvi, who was from Lodge, Poland. Okay, that, Central Poland, okay. Uh... He talked to he was a goldsmith before the war, but he went through the war, obviously. I told you again, the Lodge is the wrong, that was the wrong place to be in the 1940s. What can I tell you? Um, he was a working concentration camp through the war, lost his whole family there. Yep, yep. And married in Europe and Belgium and uh, picked him and lived in Belgium. And then he married there and came to America. He lived there in Baltimore. So it's around the time my parents came, more or less. You know, my father in 46, my mom in 49, her father in 52, lived in Baltimore his whole life, uh, and they, <laughs> he's a very sweet uh, storyteller, and I guess he used to hang around the back of my show before I was the rabbi there. Well, I know that kibitz her table, um, so we'll <clears throat> pay tribute to his memory, and now let's take a look at Parsha's Pekude, which is funny to me is this week, because... Not in a funny way, but it's a funny way. There's a war going on. Everybody's trying to raise money. People have called me, you know, people I'm friendly with and all that, and they said, which organization should I give to? I said, I don't know. I can't recommend anybody. I don't know what's going on. You know, everybody says they're collecting for Europe. Who knows what percentage is going over there and what percentage is staying over here? You know how that works. And I, I would never tell somebody else, right, because it's, it's, it's somebody else's money. I don't want them going on my cheshbet. That's pretty sad what I just said. And it the reason is because we live in a world in which you have a hundred moisters and big organizations, but there's no transparency. You don't know what happens with the money. You don't know. And by Moshe Rabbeinu, this whole parish is about transparency. Financial transparency. That's the vart, as we all know. Elipakudia a Mishkan Adis. And Moshe Rabbeinu was that type of guy. He went <coughs> the manager said he called for it. He called for it. We call Moshe an onav me call onav apini Some people think onav means a wimp. It doesn't mean a wimp. Moshe, like in such matters as finance, all the rest of it, was very humble in the sense that I had public money and I want to make a a, a public cheshman that everybody should know what they do with the money. <clears throat> Aside from the fact that the Jews are jerks and, you know, they all, the Chazal tell us very famously that they thought Moshe is stealing the money and all the rest of it. <clears throat> That's... What, you know, that's how Jews are, and that'll never change. Um, how's it go? You know, <coughs> here it is. He beat the, I'm, I'm reading the Medish Rabbah. <coughs> the Medish Rabbah and Parsha Bakude. I didn't look at the whole thing over, but it's very short. And if you're, I would recommend, you know, those who can, take a look at the Medish Rabbah this week. It's short, and you see the kind of issues that popped up. And one of them is, he beat the Achri Moshe, that, you know, 
when Moshe came down uh, from the mountain, so after he saved them in the golden calf, Kibar Moshe Oelo, Yerid Amud Ha'onon, V'yomad Pesach Oel V'dibra Moshe. I would say that's pretty impressive. If I was an onlooker, and I see Moshe, who's the God Ol, and he's talking with God, I mean, that would do the trick for me. I don't know about you. That would do the trick for me. And I would conclude, if Hashem is talking with him, Yerid Amud Ha'onon, V'omad Pesach Oel V'dibra Moshe, Holy cow, right? Holy Toledo. Look at that. You know, uh, there's that famous Gemara that I'm sure everybody's heard of. If Reish Lakish would talk to you in the streets, they would lend you money without, uh, you know, without uh, security. Meaning, he's very selective. If you're the type of person that he spoke to, means your sterling reputation. Well, if Reish Lakish talked to you and people were impressed, what about Rabbani Shalom? <laughs> right? But I'm wrong. It's wrong. Because in spite, listen what it says. <clears throat> I mean, the Bible is on. Moshe Olo. Moshe will go to the Oel outside the camp. So the Onon of Hashem would come down. And the people, Mabit, would stare. So, like I say before, I would be part of a crowd, and I'm seeing the Rabbanish, I'm not Rish Lokish. I'm seeing the Rabbanish, talk with Moshe. So Rabbi Yochanan takes the Fermi point of view along the lines that I just said. And Rabbi Yochanan said, Ashrei Yolatato Shalzeh. Oh, happy is his mother. In other words, oh boy, Kol Yomav HaKadosh Baruch Hu Madabimo, Kol Yomav Hu Mushlam HaKadosh Baruch Hu. People say this, wow. You know, I've seen people talk to the Satmar Rebbe, I've seen people talk to the Lubavitch Rebbe. This takes the cake, right? And that's the Bitu Achri Moshe, that they stared in awe of Moshe like Hasidim. However, another Amora, Rabbi Chama, <laughs> who must have been a Shul rabbi, he says, Baloney, you can see Moshe Mina talking to Moshe Olam, and you still suspect. Chami Kadal de Bray Amram. Check out Ben Amram's neck. Right? Meaning, for a guy who says he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he looks, he looks pretty fat to me. You understand? In other words, He's full of it. He, did, he took sandwiches up there. He wasn't there 40 days before not eating. He get it. He's a phony. A $2 bill. And the other guy would say like this. This is the conversation in the hawker's corner. Get it? You know, the guys at the coffee table. The guys in the back of the mikvah. At the back of the shoulders. Shooting the bull. And even though they're abundant, they see. It's, it's the buzzing says... They say, it's a chazal, it's not me. He says, they see Hashem talking to Moshe on a repeated basis, but the friend says like this, of course he's fat. Listen, the guy's doing well. A guy who had all that money passed through his hands. He was in charge of the Mishkan. Everybody got so much gold and silver passed through his hands. No! <laughs> no! Yeah, you know, some of it, uh, well, how should I say, ended up in his pocketbook. Isaiah gave the belt. I think they developed. Believe me, I said this morning in another share, you know, America today is in bad shape. But it's not because of the graft and the corruption, although we have a lot of that. I'm in Baltimore. You're in New York. This is Lakewood. This is Muncie. It's in Cleveland. It's the corruption everywhere. It's unbelievable. But it was like that 100 years ago also. The difference is, 100 years ago, the government worked and they delivered the services. And so the people 
they're not in favor of of stealing public money, but they said exactly what we want. Adam Shashalam Lechazamishkan, Enatamavakshi Yosher, you know, this political machine, that Tammany Hall, Mayor Daly, this and that. But people say, I guess, the garbage is on time. The cops have a pretty good law and order. The, sc- the public school works. You know, things like that. So, all right. You know, some, some of the money's going to stick. Like Eshkol said in Israel, they, you know, they said this guy's stealing. He said, Lo Sachsam Shabbatisho, you know. Uh, but at least they're doing what they do. Nowadays, we have the worst of both here in America. You know, the schools don't work. The police are no good. The 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 garbage is no good. This and that doesn't work. And they're and they're stealing more than ever. You get it? So Moshe Rabbeinu, even from a cynical point of view, people like this. Look, he collected a belt of stuff, but he got the project done on budget and on schedule. Didn't take long, and they even ended up, as you know, calling off the uh, what do you call it? the the fundraising drive. To be exact, the, the jewelry drive, because they gave physical things. And, all right, some of it stuck in his back pocket. No, you see? Now, if I were Moshe Rabbeinu, and I'm overhearing this, because that's the point of this chazal. Moshe, now, it, it, I'll tell you again. Only a menish can come up like this. A menish I love the menish Here's Moshe Rabbeinu, speaking on a repeated basis with Hashem. His face is shining. Did he has to put on a mask? He's in the super Kedusha. Think of the people you consider to be very holy. You know, the Arizal, this Rebbe, that one, this one, Tzadik, whatever. And then multiply it a million times. You're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu when he was in his peak. And he's talking to Hashem. <clears throat> and most of the people are staring and saying, Ashra Yolotito. But there's the hawkers in the back table, which there always will be. There'll always be jerks, right? That's just part of the Jewish people. There's a certain number of jerks. Sometimes it's a majority, unfortunately, <laughs> depending on where you are. So there's a couple of few, you know, hawkers and cockers back there saying, I guess, no, he stole money and all the rest of it. Moshe is basically saying, I guess, the heck with you. What, what do I care what you stupid idiots say? What do I care what you stupid idiots say? I'm talking with the Bernstein. My integrity is good enough for, for, for a coach Barco. I don't need it to be good enough for you, you idiot. You're just, you're just hawking. But I'm wrong. Because each Moshe on a moment he called And his anivis was such that he cared what even little jerks, schmoes, idiots, blockheads say about him. So he didn't, you know, he, he didn't have a thick skin when it came to questions of his own personal integrity. You understand? It bothered him. Now, again, why didn't Moshe simply rely on the fact that those hawkers will be silenced by others and nobody will pay attention because you can't deny the evidence they rise but Debra Hashem al Moshe upon him upon him. You know, continuously. By Debra Hashem al Moshe, by Debra Hashem al Moshe. But I'm wrong. It bothered him. And therefore, Kishishem al Moshe Kachtemet, it says, when Moshe heard these hawkers, Amr Chayechem, Nigmar Amishkan, Etin Lechem Cheshman. As soon as this project is done, I'm going to give exact Cheshman. In other words, to prove to the, to the cynics and the critics he was 100% honest. It's unbelievable. <laughs> you get it? It's unbelievable. You know, he should care. Now, I'm not sure. Let, let me put it this way. I don't think the Kliyakar saw this, but it's not possible. The Kliyakar knew all the Midrashim. He was a, a champion in the Midrash department. And that's why he's good. But if you look in the Kliyakar, he asked a question, a famous question, which is how come Moshe gives an account of the silver and this, but not of the gold? In the past, I've told Abishitz's famous word, he said, 
the the the, the copper and the silver represent you know the smaller contributors. The guys that are gold are the guys that run the big checks. You get it. The guys that run the big checks. Either they believe in your, you know, they don't ask for a little accounting. You know what I mean? When General Electric, General Motors has their 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 uh, what do you call it? You know, members meeting, the shareholders meeting. It's always some idiot who has two shares that raises all the questions. You know, you got to get used to that. I'm, I know that from speeches. I give a speech. If I put it out for question and answers, some fool's going to stand up. You know, and not, nothing serious. So, I think gate us. Now, therefore, that's Abish's approach. But the Kliyakar says that Moshe, once he got, you know, gave an account of the Zav and the, I mean, of the Kesav and the Koshes, and Hashem, like, gave it to Gushpanke, Hashem said it's real, then the people say, if Hashem said it's okay, then I guess he's okay for the gold. We don't have to question about how he spent the gold. But this matter shows that that's, that's not true. Because people can see Hashem talking to you face-to-face, using you as the chosen one. You're the shliach to give the Torah. That's not a small business, you understand? The whole purpose, as the Rambam points out in the Chumash, of the Maimon Harsina itself was... But you see over here, a person can say, I believe that Moshe is telling me what Hashem wants. But Moshe is a shtickle crooked, you know, I mean, the, <laughs> you know, you get involved in these big projects. You know what I mean? You know, money sticks to your back pocket. Um, and in order to, 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 to refute that, Moshe says, I'm going for complete public transparency. That's the meaning of Eli Pekudi, Mishka Mishkan Ages. And, uh, you know, so even Moshe Rabbeinu had to do it. Now, I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't believe that even when he gave a completely transparent business, those kind of guys are going to believe him because that's it. They're jerks. You get it? So people say, I guess, oh, he said that. But what, re- you know, what really, really happened? Okay? So the whole uh, story of the Pekudi does credit to Moshe, but it certainly does discredit to a segment of the Jewish people. And you know this is true because that's how people are. <laughs> you, know you know this is true how people are. Now the truth is, it's a little more complex, complex than that. It's a little more complex than that. First of all, it could be, I mean, I was thinking about it. It could be that you have to, uh, the, along the following lines, we do have to remember that the glory of the Mishkan, like I said in my podcast last night about the Haftorah, the glory of the Mishkan lay in its voluntary nature. It was Nadiv Lev. That was that whole uh, Seder El Yorava, right? From Lieberman. That whole, it, 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 people gave of their own free will, as you and I know. And it conf- constantly emphasized in Parshish Yaakov, Kol Nadiv Lev, and Kol Shinadavoli Bo, and all that kind of stuff. So, when people are giving their own, the idea behind the Mishkan was people should be emotionally invested in it. You get it? He didn't do a Shlomo situation. Look, Moshe could have said like this, let's read a rate, let's, excuse me, lead a raiding expedition. We'll conquer some group, take away their gold and silver, like King David used to do, and build a Mishkan with that. But instead, Moshe said, I want, the people themselves should contribute whatever, whatever they want, no pressure. And it was super successful. And so the idea is, that Claw Yisrael should feel that they own a piece of the rock. When the average person saw the Mishkan, certainly in the first generation, they should say like this, you know, I wove, a lady was like this, I did the weaving on, the, on that rug. 
on that tapestry. And the guy will say, I gave the silver for this. And they won't say that. And the choshes came from my thing. And you feel like a piece of the rock, which is good. And therefore, you, you get into it. And when Hashem would appear with the Shechina and all that in the Mishkan, people would be able to connect with it. You see? Uh, but I'll tell you right now, as I mentioned before, with the problem with the lack of transparency, whether Ukraine or anything else, nothing turns a person off, in my opinion. Lagabi, a Mossad, an organization, a charity situation, then the feeling you're being played for a sucker because of the lack of transparency. That's what I think. So I'm giving the money, all the rest of it, and, and if I start to say like this, I gave $1,000, but what did they do with it? Maybe 10 cents ended up where it should go. 900 and, and some dollars ended up along the, you know, along the way. Um, you know, I'm collecting for mirror, as they always say. The... Uh, there's nothing that is so alienating emotionally, and a person feels like an idiot. I thought I was again for a charity. Instead, these guys siphon off for their own. And you don't know because there's no transparency. The only time I heard of a, of a, of a, of a public thing is, Mo, is Moshe Rabbeinu. That's 3,000 years ago. You understand? It's Moshe Rabbeinu. Even in Tanakh times, when you look at Parsha Shkalim, I didn't do that after Torah, it's Ben Munah that they gave out cash to the contractors and they didn't ask. It says in the Pesach, they didn't ask for transparency, but you want, but that, you know that was the time of Yoash and all the rest of it. So Moshe Rabbeinu, if 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 you allow the hackers, they'll turn like to a tumor in the body politic. It'll spread because that's how people are, and they'll say, you know, he took the money, he took the money. How do I know if my nose ring, my earring, my bubby's a you know a diamond ring, and this and that and the other she took from its rhyme? How do I know that ended up in the base of English? How do I know it didn't end up in Moshe Rabbeinu's Swiss bank account? Verves. Verves. And I can tell you right now, nothing is so toxic to the feeling of having shaykhs with the base of English, which is what it's all about. It's about having shaykhs with the base of English. So you can be shachanti b'sochan, you see? Uh, as that kind of a feeling. And Moshe was so concerned about this, he said, I'm going to nip this in the bud the best I can and give a full transparency public accounting. Leave beyond merely that that's what happened. You understand? Uh, you know, Moshe is aware of this, obviously, and you know he wants to go the extra mile, not simply for his own um, honesty, his integrity, which I'm sure it counts, because anybody who built up integrity can't, cares for it, like Yaakov Avina with the Pacham Ketanim, you know. But uh, I think also Moshe was thinking in statesmanlike terms, and if the people start to say, "Who knows what happened with the money? Who knows what happened with this?" You know. Moshe is walking around looking pretty good. Aaron's walking around. To be perfectly honest, this was what Korach said. Get it? He says a racket, you know. Right? Korach said, you know, it's Moshe. His brother got the job, Aaron. It's not a Benavio. It's a racket. Uh, then you feel like it's, you know, it's, 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 you're being taken advantage of. And then I don't want to give to that organization. I don't want to have any shaykh to that organization. Uh, what's the expression? I'm sorry I gave the money in the first place, etc., etc. So we don't want that. There's a third reason. So I think, in my opinion, that's probably where it's coming from. Uh, it could be the cynical way, like the matter says, and most of just say, I'm, just, I, I'm not going to give the jerks anywhere anything to stand on, but it could be more than that. It could be that most of men himself wouldn't care what the idiots say, but he's, you know, he doesn't want the others to feel that they were suckers. But there's a third aspect to this that I discern, in my opinion, which is all I ever give. And that is, there was a surplus. 
It was a surplus. So you can see already, because you know the story, it says explicitly in the Chumash, they take the trouble to tell you it was a surplus. They had more than they needed. Now, what did they do? So notice, the hawkers will say like this, okay, the Mishkan, for argument's sake, let's say the Mishkan cost 15 million bucks. Fine, but Moshe took in 20. What happened to the other five? You see what I'm saying? They're not challenging that he used the 15 million for what it's supposed to go to. But listen, my friends, listen, my friends, you know, another 5 million for the Swiss bank account. What the heck? You see? Because uh, we're not told <coughs> what exactly happened with the, with the surplus. Um, <coughs> that you can already hear. Because the Chumash does not tell you, <coughs> excuse me, the Chumash does not tell you what he did with the surplus, with the extra funds. Um, not as far as I can remember anyway. And so that already is room for gossip. Now, I can make it even better than that. The Medish Rab in this week's Pasha says something remarkable. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but, uh, and you have to do a little bit of homework in the uh, wider Midrashim. I would say to those who are listening to this podcast, get a hold of Menachem Kasher. You know, that's where you'll see this if you want to follow this up. What did Moshe do with the surplus? Because it says, Vahose, well, there was a surplus. Mind you, there was earrings, nose rings, diamonds, this, and the other. Who knows what they had for a surplus? So, there's a medicine in this week's Parshim, Bakude, which says, very interesting. It says that, um, you know, what did they do? How long was the fundraising? By the second morning, they were already oversubscribed. So within 24 hours, <coughs> less than 48 hours, they had ungushed up with money. But what did they the host here? But there was a surplus. Nichnas Moshe. <coughs> now, by the way, you'll never hear today a Moshe, a yeshiva, saying, like this, oh, we got too much money in. They said, we have a new project. You know, we're trying to build a new wing. It's going to cost us 8 million bucks. And if they take eight and a half, they will even announce, I've seen, you know, on the internet, they'll say, oh, we even went past our goal. And went eight and a half. Well, what are you going to do with the extra? Say, so, well, you know, you know, you know, it's not going to be transparent, let's put it that way. So Moshe Rabbeinu, according to the Medrash, said as follows. This is the beginning of his own Perik Nunalov, Parsha Nunalov in Pekude. Hamlocha Sedai Lecha Hamlocha Asa Behoser, there was a surplus. So the Medrash Rabbah says, Nichnas Moshe Yitzel Betzalo. Moshe went into Betzalo. Rosh Ahosir Minamigdash, Minamishkan. He said it was a surplus. So he got scared. What do I do with it? Because <clears throat> he had no instructions. And if you're on a Mikol Adem, you care about Mom and Haggis, you care about the, the public's money. You see? He, did, he didn't say like this, listen, I'm entitled, I got him out of Egypt, I'm inter- uh, I, I, I put the Red Sea for them, I need a little thing for, for the Swiss bank account, what's wrong with that? Instead, Moshe said, So according to this, Madrish, it's not in the Chumash. According to the Medrash, Moshe asked Rabbani Shalom, what do I do with the surplus? Very, very interesting. I don't know if you're familiar. I mean, it's an old word, but I, uh, most people are not familiar with this. The Pasuk in the beginning of our Parsha says, So, the way you, I guess you would read it would be, this is the accounting of the Mishkan. In other words, the Mishkan Aedis. If you look at Ari Kaplan, he does it in a positive way, you know, like in parentheses. El Bukudia Mishkan, Mishkan Okay? Even Rashi, 
you know, goes that kind of way. Um, which is, you know, it's Edus Yisrael Shevitir Lehem HaKadosh Baruch HaMaisegel. So in other words, the Mishka and the Mishka and Edus are identical. There, there's all these Chazals that Mishka and Mishka, and you know what I mean, the Bayes Rish and Bayes Shein, but I'm, I'm talking about Pashib Shad. However, in the Medrash, I've told you many times, the Medrash Rabbah is particularly is based on a close reading of the text, and you cannot deny that it's an extra word. Because it really should say, Elipakudi Mishkan Okay? Or if you prefer, Elipakudi Amishkan. But the idea of Elipakudi Amishkan, Mishkan is sort of like redundant. And from this close reading, the Chazal say as follows that Hashem said, You've already spent 15 million building the Mishkan. Now, if I'm making this up, 5 million left over. Kach Lechach Yotzer, Lech Vasebehem Mishkan Leidus. Make yourself a Mishkan, a, a, a separate Mishkan. So there are two Mishkans. Do you hear about this? There are two Mishkans. There's a regular Mishkan that you and I are familiar with from Parshish Trum and Tetzalba by Yaakel. And then there was something else totally separate from that called Mishkan Leidus. <coughs> okay? Um, Mishkan Leidus. Now, what does it mean, Mishkan Leidus? A Mishkan for testimony. So, basically, uh, so I see that. Uh, because I'm looking at Merkin over here, and he wants to tie in a, the Mishkan was Miyuchad Leidus Aluchad Zabris. It's a Mishkan for, 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 a separate Mishkan for the Ten Commandments. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I see in the Sifri Zuta, <coughs> which is already Chazal, they say like this, it's a special tent where Moshe talked to Hashem. Okay? And it made it something elaborate. A special tent where Moshe talked to Hashem. Okay. Okay. So why why do you have to spend five million? Well, I said five million. That's my number. Maybe the number was shorter, and you know they used it for whatever. However, he used it. It's not clear. It's intriguing though, uh, for this Mishkanetis, uh, you know, for this uh, uh, tent, other than the Mishkan itself, for Moshe to talk to Hashem. That's where they had their conversations. Okay. However, however, is <clears throat> a fascinating. Thing over here, uh, as they say, I pulled out my rusty, trusty Torah Shlema from Malcolm Kasher, and he has from the Medrash Hagadol. That's one of the uh, Yemenite Midrashim, and uh, this is fa- fantastic. Listen to this, Ma Talmud Lomar. So this is in Parsha Pekude, Perik Lamed Ches, Number Tezayin. For those of you who care about this, I know there's a few scholars out there listening. Listen to this closely. It's not long. Why Okay. That's the Mishkan that you and I are familiar with. The Mishkan for the Shechina. What's the other Mishkan? Mishkan Lebeis Medish Moshe. So Moshe Rabbeinu made a yeshiva. <laughs> okay? He constructed yeshiva. Yeshiva. <laughs> this is the original Tomo. This is literally yeshiva Torah's Moshe. Literally. Okay? You know, that's the name of yeshiva. Torah's Moshe. You get it straight from, I don't want to say the horse's mouth, but you know what I mean? Get it straight from the source. Okay? <clears throat> Based medical Moshe. Whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Then you can already start to hear hawking. Because people like this. 
the money he spent on the Mishkan, no. But what happens his business, you know, he's got a fancy yeshiva with fancy tents, and they have a coffee room, and this, that, and the other. And anyway, who's the ba- who's the mashkiach? Who's the Rosh Hashiva? Who got the first year, the second year, the son, the son-in-law? I don't know, whatever, you know, you know how people are, okay? Then already it, 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 it starts to make sense that, you know, people were saying, what's he doing with the extra money? Now, it doesn't say specifically in our parasha anything about that. There's got to be that these chazals, they're midrashim, are obviously going to f- discern in the words of the Pusik. You know, as you go through Parsha Bakude, these references to Mishkan Edus, which is the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the Yeshiva Moshe. Now, I did, a, like I said, I did a little bit chasing down. And if you look at Malcolm Kasher here, you get, he sends you back to um, Kisisa in the Periclama Gimel over there. And uh, in there, I forget the page, I'm going to chase it down. But there's a whole discussion about this Shita in Chazal, one of the Shita in Chazal, that Moshe Rabbeinu had, had Yeshiva. Like a building, you know, a tent or so, so forth. Uh, and he's got a long learned footnote with all these Lamar Makomas and so forth. He calls him Mishkan Ladibros. Mishkan Ladibros sounds more like a place for him to talk to Hashem and have Diburim. That would be the idea. By Yedab Hashem Moshe takes place in this tent. Which is not inside the Mishkan. It's another Mishkan. Okay? Uh, and others who learn it somewhat differently. Shnei Oholos, Echel Echel And so on and so forth. So if you're interested in this theory, it's not a theory. It's a Sheet and Chazal. It's not the only one. Okay? Uh, the regular shot is not this way. The regular shot is that the Mishkan Mishkanis are identical. But you have this School of thought in Chazal, not me, in school of Chazal, that there are two Mishkans, literally, and one is the Mishkan that you and I know, and the other one seems to be either a special meeting place for Yadabra Hashem al Moshe. Why do we need a big elaborate one? I don't know. They cost a lot of money for the from the surplus. Alternatively, based Medish al Moshe, or it's the Yeshiva. The yeshiva has expenses. Then already I hear it eats up money. You get it? Now, uh, if it's true, it's very litvish, you know, saying, in other words, you have two mishkans. This is like a tailor made for a mashkiach and a litvish yeshiva, you know. You have two mishkans, one for uh, prayer, one for learning. <laughs> one prayer learning. The davening, uh, that's important, no question about it. And the carbonus, all the rest of it. But the real action took place in, in the other mishkan, mishkan ages, whereas the so imagine you walked in to that tent and your people hawking away. Moshe just taught this halacha. Moshe just said that halacha. Except here, it couldn't have been two chavruses arguing too much because you can always go to Moshe. You get what I'm saying? You know, I have a kasha in Bamatia. No problem. You go to the source. As long as Moshe was alive and no kashas, correct? At least not that I can think of. You can only ask Moshe, so what's the din? You know, now I could be wrong about that because the Rambam says that, you know, Moshe was given the basics and then the rest of it was up to him. So even in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, if you go like the Rambam, even in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, had somebody come up with electricity, Hashem would not necessarily have told Moshe what about electricity and then it would be left up to Moshe and to other Rosh Hashivas and the Dayanim and all the Hakars and the Beis Medrash 
I mean that in a good way, to be Madame Milsa Milsa and figure out, you know, is is electricity identical with fire or not? You know, that kind of uh, business. By the way, um, that's Beno's Slavchot story. Moshe said, I don't know, I'm going to ask Hashem. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, the ability to pull that out and pull out your cell phone and say, I'm calling heaven. That's, that's Moshe Rabbeinu. You know, nobody else can do that. Anyway, um, so you see, just from the very beginning of this Parsha, I've gone over time. So in the beginning of this Parsha, you see um, what a close reading in terms of drama, psychology, hawkers, uh, yeshivas, and so much else lies in one little nugget. I think it's kind of cool. Anyway, with that, I wish you a good job. I want to thank the Rat Hands once again. And for his fellow Father Shav, the Shem Shav and Aliyah, as they say in Hertzberg's. And uh, with that, I bid you a good night. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.